Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. All right, guys, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. Matthew 1, 20. I'm excited about us sharing this Christmas Sunday together and what we've come here to celebrate today. Aren't you thankful that you really know what the meaning of Christmas is all about? Aren't you thankful today that you've met Jesus, that you know Him? And today, if you haven't had that, that privilege, that encounter with Christ, you're certainly in the right place at the right time. We're here to just think on, pray about, celebrate, be reminded of how good God has been to us. Our whole theme for Christmas now and then this year was lost and found. Christmas now and then, lost and found. And I'm going to go back to that, uh, that title in today's message taking a a fresh insight, maybe for you a little different perspective about the meaning of Christmas and what Christ came to do as we we look at lost and found, uh, celebrating the birth of Christ. You know, Jesus said this when he began his earthly ministry uh, at approximately the age 30 when he began to preach. uh, One of the first things he said is the kingdom of God is near. Uh, One translation says the kingdom of God has come. And, and, and what we need to understand about the birth of Christ is that that was the beginning. That was the unfolding of every plan God had had for us. All the prophets, everything the Old Testament had been a type or a figure of, and, and the prophets speaking. Now the birth of Christ meant that everything God had planned for us was beginning to happen. God's kingdom, watch this, everything we, we, we have spent a lot of time, and it's okay, and it's accurate, in the church singing about heaven. How many are planning to go to heaven? I am. I'm excited about going to heaven. And you know, when I think about uh, Christ coming, that's what Christmas is, the first time, you know what? We should remember, he's coming again. I'm excited about that. What about that? Anybody else excited? Okay. If you're not excited, I'm going to give an altar call today and you'll be excited at the end of the service, all right? If you're not ready, we'll help you get there. So there's so much to to think about, but what I want you to see is, is heaven is going to be amazing, more than we can imagine, greater than we can imagine. I, I told you I was really conflicted as a little boy growing up in church because I, you know, I, I had a serious case of ADD, and we didn't, we didn't uh, diagnose that very well in those days. You know, we didn't, nobody knew what that was. Now, if you got ADD, you get Ritalin, then you got whipping. Anybody ever gotten that dose? My father administered it on a regular basis. And so church was a struggle for me. And I can remember growing up in church, and that, that hour or so in church, for me, as a little boy, trying not to get in trouble uh, again, was a long period of time for me. It seemed to eternity. I hate to say it about church. It seemed that way. And so I remember being conflicted and thinking, you know, uh, I'd heard enough rolling around on a pew. You know how kids hear stuff more than you think they do. And I realized there were two choices when you die, heaven or hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. I mean, I got that part down pretty quick. How many understand that? I did not want to go to hell. But I remember asking God, was there a third option? Because my problem was, at at that age, all I saw heaven was was one extended church service. And that usually meant I got a whipping. And the longer it went, the more trouble I got in. So I was a little conflicted. I said, is there there a C? A, I don't want to go to hell. B, heaven is good, but is there a C for people like me? Well, there's not. But what I didn't understand is how glorious and wonderful heaven is going to be. It's going to be amazing. It's outstanding. And we sing about the sweet by and by. And when I get to heaven and the streets of gold. And, and, and of course, some of those songs we sing about heaven aren't exactly accurate, you know. But they, 
make us feel good. But here's the thing we've missed in the church. Here's the thing we missed. When Jesus came, heaven came to earth. At the glory of heaven is not just waiting for the sweet by and by. Jesus said the kingdom's come. When the disciples came to him and said, teach us how to pray, you know what he said? This is the first thing you do. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you're going to pray, address your source, the Father. Before you ask him for anything, give praise to his name. Hallowed be your name. Honored is your name. Father God, we praise you before we ask you. But the first request is let your kingdom come. And let your what? Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The coming of Jesus. I want you to get this. Why did the angels celebrate? Why was it such a big deal? Why did Satan try to stop it? Because with the coming of Christ to the earth, God putting on human flesh and stepping into this arena that Satan had ruled since the fall of man, the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus meant this, that from that point, the blessings of heaven could begin to be experienced here on earth. Now, earth did not become heaven. I didn't say that. But I'm saying heaven began to come to earth. The blessings of God, the goodness of God, the presence of God. How many are thankful Jesus brought heaven to earth when he began to come here? God's kingdom, I mean his rule, his presence. That's what came to us. That's the reason this is such an amazing event. It was the first step to our salvation. And we celebrate that today. We are thankful for his coming. So let's look at Matthew 1 beginning in verse number 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He was conflicted. How could that be true? The angel said, it's true. It's true. Okay? She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. We celebrated that name today. We celebrated his name. You are to give him the name Jesus. Watch this. Because... Why did, they, why did the angels say, name him Jesus? Jesus means God who saves. The God who saves. And so he says, you name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people what, from their sins. The effect of their sin. Save us from what we've become. Let's keep reading. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child. And will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here's the deal. There was something we had that God created for us, and we lost it. So you can't lose something you never had. There was a relationship with God originally that was lost. There was fellowship with him that had become lost. There was relationship that was now lost. And God said, enough's enough. I'm going to come. God with us. What we lost could only be restored by God. Emmanuel. God had to come with us to do what? To save us from our sins. From what our sins had lost. From what our sins had robbed from us. We know Jesus says in John 10.10, he said, the thief Satan comes only to do what? To steal to rob us. We lost some things, kill and destroy. But he said, on the other hand, Jesus said, I've come that they might have what? Life and have it to the fullest or abundantly. So here's the picture we see. We lost some things. Satan coming, deceiving Adam and Eve. 
robbing from us from what we had, we lost some things. And they had been lost until Jesus came. But the good news, everything sin stole from us, Jesus restored to us. And the Bible says more abundantly. He's the God of restoration. Let's take a quick minute. I just want you to look at this. Turn in the, your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Let's make sure we're all on the same page. And, and, and let's look at this original relationship we had. What was lost? Why was it so important that God had to come to us? Genesis 2, verse 15. Let's take a little different angle, a, li- a different look and, a, and a, a different approach and value to the coming of Christ. Genesis 2, let's look at verses 15 through 20. We, we, we begin reading and we read this. The Lord God took the man, this is Adam, original creation, and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what there? Take care of it, work it, steward it, and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now, I've heard ladies say after that verse that uh, God created Adam, and then when he worked out all the bugs, he created Eve and made it perfect. Anyway, let's go on. Now the Lord God formed out of the ground. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. Watch this. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called every, each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. I just want to stop there for a minute. Do you see the incredible relationship man and God had? Do you see the wisdom he had? It's incredible intellect. The, the, the scientists and physiologists tell us today that we are using basically 10% of our brain capacity. And so you see this creation, this, uh, that, that Adam had responsibility there. He was to work this garden. He was God's steward of the earth. As long as he had relationship under God or relationship with God, he had rulership under God. Adam had this incredible creation. He was with God. He, 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 he stewarded everything God had. His wisdom was absolutely stunning and amazing. It, it, it was amazing. But God said, even with that, he said, you know, Adam, you would be better off. It would be better for you to, for me to give you a woman, for you to, to have this incredible blessing and this kind of fellowship. Now, let's go to, to Genesis chapter 3. And, and we, we go to verse number 6. Unfortunately, uh, for Adam and Eve, they used their free will to disobey God. So we see what was there originally. Let's see what began to happen. In Genesis chapter 3, I, wanna, I want you to follow along. Let, let's, let's look at verse number 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, and remember God said, leave it alone, and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Something changed instantly. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was doing what? Walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They walked with God. They had had this relationship where God himself created them, placed them in this garden, put them over it. They called the names, and he walked with them in this place. So they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. But this time, they did something different. They hid from the Lord. 
the God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Who hid from whom? Who was the searcher? Who was the hider? God wasn't running from man. Man was running from God. Something had shifted in their relationship. Uh, so verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, here we go. Are you ready? It all started. The man said, the woman. And then he wasn't done. Then he pointed his finger at God. That you put here. We had it going on, God. You and me. Then here she was. And if that's not enough, as I think about it, you're the one that put her here. How many times have you prayed for God to bless you, then he blesses you, and you get mad at him for the blessing? But anyway, let's go on. I said it another way. Sometimes when you get what you want, you don't want what you get. Let's keep going. All right? So the finger pointing and the blaming started. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? Let's drop down to verse 15. He gives him a promise even in the middle of this. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent who had deceived her. Satan had come in that form. And between your offspring or your seed and hers, and I told you the only, that's a prophetic word that she'd give birth, that there was one coming to destroy Satan. He'll crush your head and you'll strike his heel. Let's drop down to verse 21 and we'll, we'll, we'll be done here in this original place. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. So man had lost his original covering, his original position. They tried to do it themselves. It didn't work. God gave them something temporary. And the Lord God said to the man, uh, said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. There was so much that was lost. There was so much there that was originally ours. I want you to think about that. Adam and Eve, covered in innocence, walking in the presence of God, in charge of everything he had created. They knew him. They knew his voice. They knew his footsteps. They walked close with him. There was no crime. There was no sickness. There was no death. There was no sadness. Never forget what God created. Never forget what we had and what sin forfeited for us, what sin lost for us. So we, we, we look at that moment and, and, and think of that. What did we lose? We lost our walk with God. We lost our conversation with God. We lost the relationship with God. He said, if you eat of it, you'll die. Well, they didn't physically die, but spiritually they were separated from that moment. And every man and woman who has ever been born from that day, the Bible says there is a spiritual void in us. And, and, and we are inclined to sin. We've all sinned. And so every one of us that have ever walked on this planet have had to have a time in our life where we walked where we didn't hear his voice, where we didn't know his footsteps, where we weren't alive to his presence. Think of what was lost in that. We, we lost our covering. We, we lost our innocence. We lost this relationship with God. We lost our proximity to God. Everyone talks about now, God's way over here. God's far away. Where is God? They walked in the presence of God. 
We lost the proximity of God, the presence of God. Satan stole that. We had it, and we lost it. We lost the protection of God. Can you imagine the protection and the security? We lost the provision of God. Everything they needed was within their grasp. Do you understand that? We lost our purpose. Adam didn't just sit in the garden and sip lemonade with a gold straw. He was in charge of it. He worked it. He developed it. He stewarded it for God. There was purpose in his life and dignity and destiny. By the way, God gave Adam a job before he gave him a wife. Their marriage relationship was impacted. Their family relationships were impacted. It's, just, it's unending what we had and what sin stole from us. That's why they said, name him Jesus. He'll save us from our sins. He'll redeem us from everything that was lost. This relationship we had. We, we Think of his wisdom and knowledge and understanding. All the animals, one by one, he names them, he names them, he names them. I'm going to tell you, we lost some wisdom in that fall. We lost knowledge in that fall. We lost health in that fall. There, there, it, it goes on and on. But I have some good news for us today. Everything Satan stole from us with sin, Jesus came and restored that back in our life. Heaven began to celebrate when Jesus came. God had watched us languish under Satan's control since the garden. And now the conqueror walked on the planet. Oh, he came like a little baby, and he wasn't very much to see in the beginning like any other baby, but he wasn't like any other baby. Born in a stable, uh, laid in a manger when he was just an infant, that wicked King Herod tried to have him killed and destroyed. Why? Because an alarm went off in hell. All of hell said, if that baby grows up, he's going to restore everything I ever stole and st take the authority back from me. Why? He's going to save us from our sin. I love what Romans 6 says. Come on, you got to read this with me. I want you to think of Christmas in a little different perspective. Romans chapter 6, look at verse number 12. I love the contrast here between the loss and the gain, the trespass and the gift. Romans chapter 6, I want you to see this. I want you to look at the, the terminology that we lost a lot, but we gained even more. How many heard what I just said? We lost a lot, but we have found even more when we come to Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, uh, look at verse number 12 with me. Therefore, just as sin, remember he came to save us from the sin, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sin. The, the truth of the matter is, if you go back far enough in your family tree, you find Adam and Eve. And from that day forward till now, sin has robbed us. We had something that we lost. And, and, and until Christ comes, there's really no substitute. But let's drop down to verse 15. Watch this. I love this. Here's the hope that comes with Jesus. But the gift, Jesus Christ... Are you with me in verse 15, Romans 6? But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many die by the trespass of the one man, look at this, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift, Jesus Christ, 
followed many trespasses and brought what? Justification. You know what the word justification means? It means once you accept Christ, God looks at you as if you had never sinned. Come on, somebody say amen to that. God wiped your past off. Verse 17, for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness do what? What does it say? I want to make sure you see this. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Have you got that scripture in Romans chapter 6? How much more? How much more will we reign and, uh, through God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? I want you to see that you don't have to wait to heaven to begin to reign in life. How many heard what I just said? It begins to happen right now. But, but Romans 6, are, are we seeing this? We're, no, that's still not it. That's what I said. <laughs> Romans 5, like I gave him originally. Thanks be to God that my mind's been restored. <laughs> I'm messing them up back there. You guys were on it and I missed it. Romans 5. Thanks be to God. I want you to see this. It's so amazing. Everything Satan stole, the Bible says, how much more did Jesus restore to us? Everything we lost, he restored more. Everything Satan stole away from us, we're, we're doing. Look, I want you to see this. We are reigning in life. That means you're overcoming right now. It means you don't have to wait till you go to heaven for God's blessing to come on your life. You're reigning in life. You're overcoming right now. He says he's clothed us with righteousness. So I, I want you to think of that. Let, let's, let's think about everything that was stolen and let's get it back right now, okay? What did he stole? He stole our walk with God. Well, guess what Jesus restored? My walk with God. He restored my talk with God. I want you to say, I can hear the voice of God. I am led by the Holy Spirit. I live in the presence of God. I'm under the shadow of the Most High. I'm spiritually alive. I'm not spiritually dead. Come on, how many are born again? Wave at me this morning. We're born again. There's not a voice. You know what happens when you're born again and the presence of God is restored? You stop wanting people to be God for you. You start relieving the pressure off your marriage. You know, nobody would say it, but when you get married and you're not born again and you're searching for this missing link, we tend to look at people to try to fill that void. And so what we're actually doing is expecting a husband or a wife to do for us what only God could do for us. It's built-in failure. It's built in failure. That's why some people are married for a while and they get back from the honeymoon and everything's going well and all of a sudden something doesn't go well and they look at each other and say, you know, I thought this was going to make me happy. Of course, you know, they're looking at you from the other side of the room going, you know, I thought this was going to make me happy. The problem is nobody can fill that void. You get a new job, but well, this new job's going to make me happy. And after a while, you got the same employees and the same boss and the same, you know, plan. And then you say, I'm going to, I'm going to work all my life and I'm going to save and I'm going to retire. And, and you know, you, you know, I can't, can I, I can't say take this job and shove it in church, can I? So I won't say that. So, you know, you work all this time and you get to this place and now I'm retired and nobody's going to tell me what to do and I can do anything I want to and I can go anywhere I want to go and whatever you like. I can play golf every day. I can fish every day. 
I don't, lady, help me out. I can shop every day. I can go to the spa every day. I can get my nails done every day. And after a while, you know, you, 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 you look and you say, I think I'm going to go back to work. Why? Because there's nothing on this planet that will come into that void of my life that I lost when Adam and Eve sinned. But when I come to Christ, everything I lost, God restores to us. And I find my walk with God. And now I'm walking with Him. I'm talking with Him. I'm covered with Him. The Bible says righteousness. What does that mean? That means I am clothed in the righteousness of God. God looks at you as if you'd never sinned. And no, we're, we're, we're not without covering and innocent, but all all of our sins are covered by the blessing of God and we have right standing before God we are close to God we have the protection of God we have the provision of God now you have Jehovah Jireh God my provider Jehovah Shalom God my peace Jehovah Rapha God my healer come on we begin to walk into everything Satan stole from us God begins to restore to us and when God restores it's better than it was before the blessing comes back in our life. He's the God who came. Go to Luke chapter 19. I'll try to get it right this time. And verse number 1, Luke 19. Let's go there. I want you to see this. I want you to look at this terminology. I love this situation because it rattled the religious people. It really messed them up. Luke chapter 19. See, what's this whole thing about? It's lost and found. We had something. That we lost through sin. But Jesus came. God came. God with us to say, everything sin stole from you, I found it. I'm restoring it back in your life. When we go here to uh, Luke chapter 19, let, let's look at this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. And he was wealthy. Now, do you understand that a Jewish tax collector of that day was public enemy number one. First of all, he was collecting taxes for the Roman government. They hated the Roman government. They were under their control. And, and, and what added injury to insult was this foreign nation on their land controlling them, and they have to pay them taxes to do that. Now, what makes it even worse is that they found some of their own people to be the tax collectors to collect the hated tax to give to the hated Roman. So the most hated guy in any town was the tax collector. Zacchaeus was a lonely, wealthy man. He had money because it was understood the way the tax collector made his living was skimming some of the taxes off the top before he gave it to the Roman government. Now, the Roman government required him to give them everything they owed. So what does that mean? He charged the people more taxes to cover himself and to give it to Rome. So here he was, not a popular man. He was considered an ungodly man, a hated man by everybody there. So as Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through, a man there was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I'm going to tell you, that rocked their world. First of all, that Jesus acknowledges man. Now think of this. Secondly, that he knew, how did he know who he was? 
Holy Spirit said, see that little man up in the tree? His name is Zacchaeus. You need to stop and talk to him. He didn't have a friend in this world, but he's hungry. He's hungry. He's looking. He's ripped people off. He knows what stealing can do. Watch this. He's made his life off of stealing just like his father Satan. But I'm going to show him and this whole community what it's like when what's lost is found by the power of God. So he said, stop and call that little thief out of that tree. So Zacchaeus jumps down. And Jesus said, look at this. I love this. He said, I must. I have to go to your house. Well, when the Pharisees heard that, they, were, they lost their mind. What do you mean his house? He's a sinner. He's the worst of sinners. And you're going to go to his house. Jesus said, I'm going to his house. Now, now watch what happens. Let's watch this. So he came down at once. And what did, what did Zacchaeus do? He welcomed him gladly. Watch this. I want to help you. The religious people were angry. The sinner was celebrating. You know what happened? Until you recognize that the devil's ripped you off, you're never going to get this straight. <laughs> but once you're willing just to plead guilty, you're happy for Jesus to come close. Are you with me? Verse 7. All the people saw this and began to do what? Mutter. You think any muttering ever happens in churches? Nah. Nobody ever mutters in church, do they? You think you ever heard any muttering in church? Let me think. Muttering. I've heard that word before in the Bible. Muttering. Where did I hear muttering about? Oh, it was where a whole nation was powerfully delivered out of Egypt and forgot everything that God had done for them and who they were and where they were going. And they muttered so much along the way they never made it. Yeah, that's where I heard muttering before. So you think muttering ever happens in church? I don't, I don't know about that. I don't, did you see what she wore to church? I, look what you, you know, first of all, you probably ought to be worshiping a little more, praising a little more. And not, I, I don't, we have a lot of great ministries here. Fashion police, I haven't seen that one. I don't think that, I don't think we've endorsed that one yet. Or, or there's the, you know, there's the, well, that person's a sinner. Look at that person. They're welcome. We're, everyone's welcome here. Now, we're not going to put them on the board of the church and put them up here, but, you know, they're welcome to come hear the gospel, right? Right, okay, over here, you with me? You're muttering. Boy, you ought to, you know, you, you, you'd get your world rocked on Jesus and his friends today, wouldn't you, Pastor Melio? You know, I come in here and I walk through the crowd and shake hands. I smell a little Jim Beam, Old Crow. You know, that distillery trip none of y'all ever taken up through Kentucky and Tennessee? up there all that I, I mean you walked by and just driven by and did like this I know yeah I smell some of that when I walk through here and other various things huh I smell somebody been smoking something on the way here and it wasn't camel it was something else and you know what I think I think yes 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 in fact, I'm sure, because sometimes, don't tell everybody this. I'm, I'm of course, dear Lord, I, who knows who hears me. When, anyway, you know, sometimes there are some nights in our productions where there were too many church buses that came. He said, why, Pastor? Because they're already saved. I don't mean that ugly. I'm really glad to fellowship the church as we encourage it. But I'm thinking, I hope we got room for Zacchaeus tonight. I hope we got room for the woman at the well tonight. 
I hope we've got room for people who know they've lost something. They just haven't found it. They, they, God, are we doing it? Anybody with me here on Christmas, come on Sunday, can we celebrate that Jesus came to find the lost, the forgotten, the disadvantaged, the ones nobody wanted. He said, I'm going to your house. Everybody started muttering, 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 muttering. Look, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, look, l- l- listen, let me help you. He didn't go act like a sinner. He just went to reach one. Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, look, look at this. Watch this. <laughs> I bet the muttering really started now. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. That probably cleared the Pharisees out of the house right there. Come on, tell the truth. My God, this man's going to give his money away. All right? Watch this. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Wow. Come on. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. But watch this verse. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Came to seek and to save what was lost. Lost and found. We had it in the beginning. God created this amazing relationship for you and I to walk with Him. And sin stole it all. We lost it. We were born lost. We've all sinned. We've all missed it. We all have a spiritual void in our life. But the good news is everything Satan and sin stole from us, Jesus said, I'm going to bring it and I'm going to bring more. I'm going to find you and I'm going to love you. If nobody loves you, I'm going to go to your house. If nobody wants to come, I don't care if they're going to mutter. I'm going want to go to your house. Why? Because I came to seek and save that which was lost. That's the heart of God. That's what Christmas means. That heaven said, Satan has done enough. He has run over this land long enough. He's been the spiritual authority long enough. We're going to go down and beat him on his turf. We're going to rip him off. I'm going to live a sinless life. I'm going to go above every temptation. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die there and spill my blood so sins can be forgiven and everything you ever lost can be put back in your life. I'm thankful Jesus came to rescue us. But I want you to look at this one last portion with me today. Matthew 13, verse 44. We're just getting a different look at some things maybe at Christmas. Matthew 13. I want you to turn there with me in verse 44. There are two things that happen here so close together, I think we miss it. Matthew 13. You know what? Did I miss that one up too? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Somebody help a brother out today. I'll find it. Give me a minute. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing good? It is Christmas, you know. All right. I got it coming. Don't worry. That's what I said. Well, it was in Matthew 13. But I was in Luke 13. Thank you all for helping me out here today. All right, let's look at this. Matthew 13, 44. So let's look at this. These two things happen right on top of each other. Two very short parables. And we make a mistake thinking they're the same one. So watch this. Matthew 13, 44. Watch this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. 
and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now look at the next one. Again, a separate parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Now what, look at the difference in this. I want you to see this. Let's go back to 44, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. This original man, this first situation, he wasn't looking for it. He stumbled on it. He, he wasn't aware it was there. He was just walking through the course of life and was fortunate enough to find this treasure that had been hidden. He wasn't searching for it. It, it, it came to him. He, 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 he stumbled on it. But look at this second one. This is why it's different. That first one would picture you and I, how we came to know the goodness of God. But look at this next one. We often interpret it the same way, but it's different. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Now we have someone who's intentionally looking for a treasure. The first one stumbled on it. The second one searching for it. So we, we find what happens. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. So what do we find about this second one? The second one is someone searching for something. When he found this pearl, to him the value was so great, he gave everything he had to get it. He drained everything he had. Nothing was was more important to this merchant who had been searching than this pearl that he found. And then we find him taking everything he had and saying, I'm going I'm I'm to just put it all. And so when we, when we think about this kind of gift, this thing he found, we begin to say, what was it? What did he find that was so valuable, that was so absolutely of great value that he would give anything he had. Instead of interpreting it like we normally do and saying, well, that's you and I. When we find the kingdom, we're going to do everything we can and give all we had. But I believe what happens, it's flipped on us. Have I got your attention? And the one searching in those last two verses was not you and I, it was God. And what he was searching for was you. And that's what he found. See yourself? That's who's valuable to God. That's who's valuable to God. Don't ever forget that. That's what God did. That's what God did. Look at this. This is what he emptied heaven for. If it would have been possible, God would have bankrupted heaven. But you can't bankrupt heaven. See that? That's who he saw. That's who he saw. That's who he saw. He looked and saw that. That's the one. And when he saw you... When he saw you, see yourself, bud? Yeah. See that little baby? He saw her. Him. He's got blue. Him or her? Yeah. Him. Thank you. <laughs> see that? See that, guys? That's the value. Heaven got emptied for you, man. <laughs> emptied for you. Just emptied. Emptied. Never forget. That's the pearl. Look at the family. Get a family portrait here. There you go. Babette. Guys, I want you to see that face. See that? That's what God saw. That's what God saw. See that? That's the one he saw. That's what he saw. Huh? 
pretty good, huh? That's what God saw. He saw you, and you mean that much to him. Huh. Can't get away from it. Here you go. That's who he saw. Pretty valuable. Phyllis, he saw you. <laughs> he saw you. Don't you understand? That's your value to God. Pearl of great price. God saw these pictures. God saw your faces. And when he looked and saw you, he said, you know what? You mean so much to me. And you're so valuable to me that I'm going to take my son and I'm going to empty heaven because your value, your value, your value. I wish I could walk and show everybody in this room how much you mean to him. How much you mean to him. What heaven did. What heaven thought about you. He knows something about you you don't even know about yourself yet. Yeah. Your value. Even graduated from college, he saw your value. Yeah, yeah. Look at this, guys. Pastor Emilio, he saw you. And here's what I want you to understand. We always think about, do I matter? Let's put this way. This way. Do I matter? God, what would you do? He saw you. He searched for you. And he saw everything Satan had stolen from you. And he saw everything that you'd ever cried about. And he saw every loss you'd ever had in your life. And he saw all the people that forgot you and all the people like Zacchaeus that nobody belonged and nobody understands me and nobody's there. But he said, I want to come to you. Remember what I said recently about that pearly gate, that gate of pearl that opens our worship to God? Pearl is the only gemstone that man doesn't cut. It's formed in nature. It's formed in life. And that pearl is formed not when everything's going well, but when everything's going bad. Some kind of grain, some kind of sand, some kind of irritant, some kind of painful experience got inside that oyster shell. And he began to cover it with layers. Think of the terminology here, layers. Layers to deal with the pain, to deal with the irritant, to deal with the aggravation. And out of that aggravation, out of that pain, out of life, layers and layers and layers and layers and layers to cover and hide my pain. I go to church and I put on my stuff and I go to work and I put on my smile and I get up in the morning and I put on my makeup and I get in the morning and I comb my hair and I put on my uniform, put on my clothes, do my thing, get my title, put on my badge, go what? But there are layers and layers and layers and layers that the world puts on us. But the good news is God looks at you and says with all the layers that you put over your pain and everything you did to deal with this he said I want you to know you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in all my creation your value is more than you could ever dream hope or imagine so I'm going to reach in and get my best I'm going to look through heaven you're so important I can't lose this deal I can't let this one slip out of my hand so I'm going to take the son of God and he's going to come walk on the planet and I'm going to wrap him in your flesh, your layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. And he's going to step into your world. And he's going to walk where you, used to, where you lost your walk. And he's going to find you up in that tree all by yourself. And he's going to say, I have to go to your house because I came all the way from heaven. And I put on all these layers. And I saw you the whole time. And today sitting in this room, 
Christmas is not trees and packages and gifts and carols and ribbons and all that. It is the God of heaven who took the greatest gift mankind ever knew and lapped him in layers and layers and layers of what we live with. And he walked until he found you and searched until he found you. And people muttered about his love, but he did not care because you are that valuable. You are that important to him. When he looked and found you, he said, Ah, you're worth everything. Come, son, there they are. Come, son, let's go get them. Let's bring them back. That's the value of you in the eyes of God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.